0: And you're very welcome along. It is the Gardening Programme here on Midwest Radio. Final Saturday of September. Hard to believe, be s- Pory. Good morning to good you. Good morning
1: dear you, are welcome in studio. This, I see the sun streaming in the sun, through the window. Yeah. So hopefully today will be a, a good, a good day. day. I think rain tonight, but looking at the long-range forecast, next week is promised good. The high pressure is coming, coming up from the south, so that's going to bring warmer temperatures, dry days, which is really what we're looking for, because September has been... Very, very wet. It has. Very difficult to get out into the garden and even simple tasks like moving, mowing the grass and keeping the weeds controlled and so on. So next week is promised an awful lot better and uh, there's certainly plenty of catch-up for people to do but plenty of th- things to do in the autumn as well.
0: Okay, we're going but to talk a little bit about honey this morning. You yeah, come in with some jars.
1: I did indeed. I brought you into I mean, we're always chatting about, about uh, honey and I suppose this is the time of year when the beekeepers put it on sale and uh, as I always say to people, try and get some local Irish honey, particularly that, the honey that's produced here in County Mayo or County Roscommon or whatever in your own local county because what's in that jar, believe it or not Deirdre hasn't been touched by human hand it literally has come directly from the beehive, the, uh, the beekeeper simply civet out of the actual, the spin it and then sieve it just to take out any wax, whatever, and that's nothing is added to that. So that's pure Irish honey. And of course, the, f- the the bees make the the honey from the flowers. They're extracting the pollen and nectar directly from the flowers, and that's what produces Irish honey. And for people that have allergies, I always recommend they try to get some local Irish honey because Lovely. that's full, even though there's no spe- no uh, little grains or anything in it, mm-hmm. it's full of natural pollen. If you eat that during the winter period, you build up a resistance to, to um, allergies from natural hay fever or, or pollen or whatever uh, for next spring and summer. So that's a, a mixture, I suppose, of things like white thorn, black thorn, uh, fuchsia, uh, all the plants that have been flowering throughout the summer, that particular, and that's, that's Westport. Honey, and um, so that's, and you see how uh, it's, it's very fluid um,
0: very it's, fluid and really clear. The clarity yeah, of clear. it is, is, is kind of also kind of standing yeah. out for me, anyway.
1: So, that's, I suppose, typically like traditional honey that you would mm-hmm. buy, but, but it is local and it is the one that I certainly recommend. And the other one I brought in is heather honey. Um, and heather honey is produced from the Ling heather, which flowers in autumn, July, August, September period. And as you can see, I'm going to turn it upside down here. The cap is off it.
0: Okay, so, oh, so no pour.
1: Doesn't pour whatsoever. Fantastic. So it's more like a jam. It's more solid
0: consistency. It's more
1: solid. And there's a stronger, if you like honey, if you like the taste of honey, there's a fantastic smell okay. and also flavour so from comparing. that as well. Yeah, just oh, smell is right. Isn't it really strong?
0: Yeah, you can re- you can get that sense of something else, as yeah. in the heather in it, as opposed to, I suppose, just the the, re- the mix, uh, if you the like, regular, or the other yeah, regular yeah. honey. Yeah, so, wow, so that's yeah. heather honey.
1: It's heather. very very strong and it smells um, fabulous. It's lovely, and you know, I do recommend people uh, try to get local Irish honey. You you are supporting your local mm-hmm. beekeepers, and we have fantastic clubs here in Ballihaunis in uh, Ballinah in Westport and so on, right throughout the country. and I am sure in, in Roscommon as well. So look for Irish honey. It's difficult to get the actual local Irish honey, so when it is available, um, you know, do do put get your hands on it if you can. It'll generally be on sale for the next couple of weeks and then it of course it disappears till the next time next year again. So a bit of stockpiling
0: if if people are able to uh, get their hands yeah,
1: on it. Yeah, and I we have both the heather honey and the the spring and summer honey in the garden centre in Turlock at the moment. So okay. And that'll be probably gone by, the, but by later on today. But anyway, <laughs> it's there at the moment. Okay. So I just wanted to mention that, um, and uh, this is the time of year that it's available for sale. The other thing, noticing particularly, I was in Dublin during the week and and looking at um, the trees all the way up are showing fantastic autumn colour. They're just beginning to change, and as was coming into. October and particularly as we move into November, we come into that time of year for planting mm-hmm. trees in gener- general. So uh, particularly the autumn foliage trees. So trees like I was admiring the Schumach, the lovely um, stagshorn shumac, which has um, rust typhini as the botanical name. But it's, it's a lovely small tree. If you've got a small garden and you want maybe a tree for the lawn, it's more, I suppose, a shrub, a large shrub or small tree but it's got beautiful autumn colour at this time of year it's changing from green to a fantastic scarlet and red and in the winter it gets its name the stag's horn tree because the antler or the the, the branches are like stag's antlers so when
0: they lose their leaves
1: when they lose their leaves they've got the shape of antlers and they've also got small hairs along the branches which resemble the antlers of of, um, the stag head. So look for that plant as well. It's a lovely tree, particularly at this time of year, and so easy to grow. It's a really simple plant to grow in the garden and will grow in any garden soil. Um, So that's rusty finney or shumac, and it's a good time of year for planting it. Maples are beginning to show their lovely autumn colour, and there's a lovely variety called Princeton gold, which is a golden foliage uh, maple. So in the spring and summer, it's got beautiful leaves, the colour of butter. So they're a really bright, colourful leaf. But again, at this time of year, lovely. the lovely the yellow starts to break down, and we see the scarlets and the red colours coming through. So that's one called Princeton Gold. But there are plenty of other varieties of maple, both Japanese maples, which are suitable for small gardens yes. or containers, or larger maples like Autumn Blaze, um, like Crimson Century, which again have fantastic colour in the summer, but particularly in autumn, the stu- the colour really well. Mm. Liquid Amber, yes, the old Sweet Gum which again is one of my favourite autumn foliage trees, again, is just beginning to turn at this time of year. So again, if you want a, a tree that's easy to grow, I suppose small to medium uh, liquid amber is generally under 20 feet in height as a mature tree, um, but a beautiful autumn colour. And you can grow the plant as a shrub as well. If you prune it back on a regular basis, bases, it makes a beautiful foliage plant with fantastic autumn colour. Um, so that's liquid amber or sweet gum. And then thinking about berries, plants that actually have... Not just foliage colour, but nice fruit at this time of year. Again, Mm -hmm. it's a great year for fruiting in general. So the crab apples, the malice varieties, are full of berry at the moment. There's two really nice varieties, one called Everest, which has got white flowers and lovely red berries then in the autumn, or another variety called Gorgeous which again lives up to its name because it's got fantastic colour again at this time of year. And there's other varieties like golden hornet or Rudolph. Um, But they all flower in in spring. And they're particularly good for listeners that may have fruit in the garden because they help to cross-pollinate with apple trees. Um, But also they produce their own fruit, which is edible, but it's grown more for decorative purposes. Or you can make jams from them as okay, well. Okay,
0: so are they smaller fruits presumably? Very are small,
1: they? about the size of a large marble I suppose, or a small tomato that sort of size, they generally hang in bunches and you can eat them or you can use them for crabapple, crabapple jam, jelly. jelly or jams or whatever uh, or you can just use them as a decorative pur- purposes, the birds will come along and eat the berries during the winter <laughs> period and the other plant that produces lovely berries this time of year is weeping cotoneaster which retains its leaf through the winter, so if you're looking for a evergreen. Tree Again, a small to medium-sized tree. There are different varieties. There's one called Canubia, which will make a medium-sized tree, which retains the foliage, white flowers in spring and lovely red berries in the autumn. Or there's one called Hybridus pendulus. So pendulus gives you the idea that it weeps. Okay. It's a weeping pendulus. And h- weeping.
0: hybrid, is that...
1: Hybrid, we've it's just... To, like, we've got
0: um, two, two parts to it no? Yeah,
1: it was just crossed. It was yeah. a, a variety of Cotoneaster that was crossed, two different varieties crossed together to create this one called Hybridus pendulus, which is a weeping variety of Cotoneaster. It's evergreen foliage, white flowers in April, beautiful red berries this time of year. And it's a nice, neat, compact uh, tree. So look at it. There's lots of other trees I could talk about, but this is the time of year for planting trees in general in the garden. They're still in leaf. Mm-hmm. So when you go to your local garden centre, you'll actually see the trees still in leaf like the liquid amber. Uh, but it's a really good time to plant it. The other plants that are catching my eye are pyracantha this year, the firethorn, particularly for covering walls or outhouses or sheds or buildings. If you want to plant a climb it's it's not really a climber it's more a wall shrub so it's a plant that's suitable for planting against a wall to cover it up and because it's evergreen it once it's on the wall You'll never see the wall again.
0: Okay, so for for those for those who aren't familiar with pyracantha, then let's describe that for you. Okay, them.
1: so it's it's a it's an evergreen plant. It's got really dark evergreen foliage, relatively small leaves, but lots of leaves on the plant. It flowers in early April, May, you know, April sort of early May, and then the fruit com- comes on the plant from August onwards. And at this time of year, it's a beautiful shade of orange, red, yellow. Um, So there's kind of shades of light yellow, orange and red. It goes that kind of hue of colour, depending on the variety that you plant. So it makes this wall of evergreen foliage, white flowers in the springtime, very like white thorn flowers. It's in the same family as white thorn in the Crategus family. Um, And then the berries come on it. The bees pollinate the flowers in April and the berries come on it for the winter. And the birds generally have a feast in November, December they feed off the berries okay. particularly the red varieties that they really particularly like and often birds will nest in pyricantha as well so it's a great nesting site because some of the branches have small thorns so
0: they're a bit as you said it's like the white thorn so they yeah, it acts as a protector it presumably. acts as a
1: protector for wildlife so uh, many many times i've seen a uh, little nest of, of various types of birds in pyracantha so it's a great nesting site and of course a feeding site for them as well so it's the perfect home but this is the time of year for planting pyracantha so if you've got a wall to cover or a you know a house wall a shed wall even a low garden wall pyracantha is certainly a very very easy plant to grow fantastic color and it saves you painting that wall forevermore. And
0: that can be a major plus for a lot of people. Absolutely and
1: generally the plants when you get them are about 3 to 4 feet high so they're already quite strong and well established so it doesn't take long for pyracantha to make a fantastic uh, cover. Now it also can be grown as a hedge so if you want something different for hedging, going to a low hedge, maybe up to four or five feet, pyracantha makes a super hedge as well because it's it's strong enough to stand on its own. It doesn't necessarily need a wall to support it. You can actually make it you know, into, a, say, a two-foot-wide by four or five feet high hedge. Remember, it retains its leaf, it flowers in the spring, and you've got fantastic winter yeah. colour from the berry. so it's a super hedge. And
0: And good durability for Irish weather.
1: Absolutely, extremely hardy. You know, it, it tolerates our frosts. It, it came through the frosts in, in nine and ten uh, unscathed and uh, it, it, it relishes our Irish conditions. Okay. And the, ber- the bees in particular love it in the springtime and then the birds li- like it in spring as well for, for nesting and for feeding in the autumn. So that this is the time of year you'll see lots of it uh, on walls at the moment with that lovely orange berry colour. So it's very much this time time of year um, as we come into October for pl- the planting of particularly trees, hedging plants, roses, climbing plants in general, because they do settle in so well over the winter period. Okay,
0: great. Now, I notice we have a question on roses, so we're going to come to questions in a moment. Um Park, if we have... I'm just actually looking at second. You know what? We might actually take a few questions to start off. Right, we yeah, might. Sure yeah, because I, I thought we might have an ad break there, but we don't. Um, so I will... Yeah, let's turn our attention to questions. If you have a question for Borek, incidentally, on the programme this morning, it's 087-900-4141 is our text, with thanks to Corib Oil. Or you can call us either 0818-3055. And Teresa is working on the programme with us this morning. And email there, always, garden at midwestradio.ie now. Now, um, okay, so let's start with roses, and I suppose there are a couple of questions in Warwick about moving plants because uh, time to uh, plant, as you say, but also for some people moving as well. So, wondering, is it too early to move roses from one place to another? I want to get rid of two shrubs. Don't know what to what to do. Do I spray them, or um, how do I how do I go about moving them?
1: To, well, first of all, it's it's a great time this in the autumn, that particularly as we move into October, for moving evergreen shrubs. So if you've have Things like Pieris forest flame or um, camellias or rhododendrons, azaleas, any of the evergreen shrubs, spotted laurels, anything that retains its foliage during the winter, small conifers, this is the time of year to move those. So, evergreen plants are moved in early autumn, but deciduous plants like roses, those that drop their leaves, are moved in November when they go completely dormant. So, if you've got budlia, for example, or roses or any deciduous mm. plant, a deciduous tree, a shrub or whatever, leave that until November. Now, if you have to move it, so if it's in the way and you, you need to move it in the next week or 10 days, then I would prune that rose extremely hard back. So cut it back to within six inches of ground level and then dig it up and transplant it all in the one go. Okay. But ideally, this should be moved in November. So the transplant, transplanting of plants, evergreens can be done at this time of year and deciduous plants, those that drop their leaves are better left to November and you can move them right through to the following March until they come back into leaf again because once they drop their leaves they become dormant, they're asleep so it's quite safe to lift them and move them where they're still growing at this time of year there's still some activity um, so if you can, leave them a month and move them in November but if you have to, then prune them back lift them, transplant them into new soil make sure that when you're transplanting any plant you put it down at the same level that you originally lifted it at. So don't be tempted to put it a couple of inches deeper to firm it up. It needs to go back in exactly the same depth. Otherwise, you're going to suffocate the roots and suffocate the plant. Um, But this is the time of year. You can also get um, a microbe, which is a a special um, granulated um, microbe, basically. It's a bacteria that you can add to the soil that aids transplantation of plants. Okay,
0: And what so does a, that do it's when a, it's you a, add it?
1: It's a special fungus that actually activates once you put it into the soil, it's activated and it stimulates the roots to produce new roots. So we often use them when we're transplanting very large plants because it's it's just an additive um, a support to help the roots start to initiate new roots. So particularly for the roses it would be ideal so you can get a small bag of it uh, about a teaspoonful, add it to the soil. Then, when you're transplanting your roses, mix that in around the soil, around the roots of the plant, and that actively encourages the rose to produce new roots and and, and establish itself better. Okay. So it, it helps; it supports. It's like putting rooting powder on um, on, the, on, the on cuttings. cuttings. It slide. stimulates new roots. Well, this microbe also does the same thing. So that's available. that will be available in your local garden centre if you're telling them you're transplanting plants. So my advice really is to move anything. Evergreen at this time of year and deciduous plants leave them to November if you can.
0: Here's a great question. Earlier this year, my grandson planted d- apple pips. Now has two plants at eight inches high in pots on Brilliant. his bedroom window. Excellent. Where do we go from there, please?
1: Well, you can, if they're eight inches high, you can plant them out of doors. The apple pips will be totally hardy for the winter period out of doors and they are deciduous so they're going to drop their leaves in November. So my advice really is to maybe move them into a larger pot, maybe a 12-inch pot, make sure the pot has got good drainage, get some good quality soil and compost to mix it together and then plant the apple pip into the pot and leave it out of doors, somewhere sheltered, but where it's going to get the rain and the coldness of winter because it will need that. It's not an indoor plant and won't survive indoors, particularly with the central heating over the winter period. So repot it, put it out of doors, keep it in a bright, um, you know, area where the wind isn't going to knock it about too much, but where it's going to get some rain and let it grow on. It'll, It'll go to sleep for the winter so explain that maybe to to, to the youngster on, because yes, yep. it'll look totally naked. It'll actually look dead for the winter period because it'll only be a naked stem. But
0: it's really just in hibernation Absolutely. And then
1: as we come into April next year, the new buds will start to come on and it'll probably make a foot to maybe two feet of growth this coming summer. Mm. And then next autumn, this time of year, you could plant it out into the garden somewhere. Now do remember with apple pips, they tend to be, you don't know what you got because it's a cross between two different varieties of and apples. And this is
0: presumably an apple that was bought in a store. In a store, yeah. and
1: probably the pips taken out and sown from yeah. seed. And apples will grow from small pips, like the Bramley seedling I mentioned um, uh, last week. But generally speaking, they tend to not be very productive in terms of edible fruit. They tend to grow well, they will flower, they'll make a tree in time, so plant it in the garden somewhere where it has plenty of space and, and let it off. So it's
0: it's kind of an experiment. Absolutely. And, yeah, it's a great. Though, yeah.
1: Now, what you can do, is, as, as the tree matures in the next three to four years, you could graft some true varieties onto the tree. So that could be an extra experiment for the family We're going we're family now altogether. Well, we, we can cover that maybe in the springtime when we <laughs> yeah. could talk about grafting, but... Um, That would be something that the tree could be used for. You could actually graft three or four different varieties onto that one tree. So you end up with a kind of a novelty of maybe James Greave and Bramley Seedling and Cox Orange Pippin or whatever on the one tree because that rootstock will be uh, quite open to to, to taking, taking other graphs yeah and, and so it can be used for that purpose rather than just letting it grow off on its own okay. um, so, lo- and in that, in that way it becomes productive
0: lots of options so yeah. we we'll would be dying, dying to hear how that put it outside
1: out. repot it and then leave it there for the winter and then let it grow for next summer and this time next year plant it in the garden somewhere
0: Okay, great. Now, one question on Lelandia trees. I know I think we've had a few queries uh, of a similar nature over the past couple of weeks, and then we'll go for a break. At 20 years old, these ones, some brown appearing from the stems, wondering what might be happening?
1: Well, it depends on, on, you know, Lelandia will go brown, particularly if they're pruned very severely. So if you're cutting them too hard the the older growth starts to die away and you get these brown patches which you know there's nothing really that can be done they need to be cut out anything that's brown or dead obviously the branch has died so that needs to be cut out you could plant a young plant at the base of it Mm -hmm. and let that grow in and knit into the hedge if it is a hedge so plant some young plants lelandiae plants right at the very base so prune out the, the dead matter plant some young plants at the base and let them fill in that gap but generally where you see lelandia going brown the branch is dead that's not going to come back it's not like other plants when you you know yeah. so so prune that out replant a young plant at the base but generally severe pruning if you're pruning lelandia too hard you get brown patches in the stem or something has damaged a branch somewhere in the hedge to create that that brown mm. coloration so i would follow that back to the main stem cut it out and plant a young golden lelandia at the base of the hedge and let that fill in
0: And uh, just on another uh, person with a question in relation to Lelandii, uh, is it necessary to feed them for the winter?
1: No, we don't feed plants during the winter period. Now, if you're planting, say, a new Lelandia hedge or a new Laurel hedge, you could put down some bone meal because that encourages the roots to grow. But generally fertilisers, because they've got nitrogen in them, that encourages growth. And we don't want growth this time of year. Plants are going to sleep. So, so, feeding in general is not, you know, house plants, yes, you could give them a, an occasional feed during the winter period, but generally speaking, all outdoor plants are going to sleep. So, you don't want to be sti- stimulating new growth, which, which most fertilizers do. You want to let the plants slowly go back, go back to sleep, to sleep. And, and become dormant. So, yes, if you're planting new plants, Certainly you can add some fertiliser like bone meal. So suitable fertilisers for replanting plants. But in general, plants are not fed for the winter period. Okay. You leave them alone.
0: Now, we're live on Facebook, incidentally, on uh, this morning site. as well on uh, Horkins' Facebook page. So um, Rita's got a question there, Porig. Um, hydrangea is very popular at the moment. I of know course. we've been discussing them over the past couple of weeks. Every must have one.
1: But
0: when can a hydrangea <laughs> be moved?
1: Well, if you're transplanting it, remember it's a deciduous plant. So we move it in November and they transplant no problem whatsoever. So uh, Rita should leave the plant until the middle of November for all the foliage to go off, dig it up and transplant it and it'll be perfectly fine. And remember, this is the time of year if you want to propagate hydrangeas, Mm. this is the time of year to take cuttings from them as well. Okay, and some new plants, and
0: and and we'll stay with them for just one more. Yeah, one. Um So, a question regarding what does one do now with hydrangeas? They're a trifle weathered. I love your phrasing. Um, should they cut off the tops, or what are they? Yeah, and they've wanted? become
1: very discolored yeah. this year. Normally, the color wa- remains on hydrangeas well into November. Now, having said that, there are some great, still great examples of them flowering beautifully at the moment. But all the rain we've had in August and September certainly has stained the flowers this year. You leave the plant alone until springtime. So those old heads, withered heads. Now if you want, you could take some of them in home. People often cut them and bring them into the house and spray them, maybe gold or silver or whatever as a decoration. Mm -hmm. But in general, for a gardening purpose, you leave them alone. The the heads of the flower protect the plants from heavy frost during the winter period. So in springtime, next spring, cut the old flower heads back. So there's nothing really to be done with the plants at this time of year. You just... Enjoy them. Okay, lovely.
0: Now, uh, great question here. From what I uh, suspect is a teacher, uh, let me just scroll back here. Um, So, as a classroom project, I want to teach the children about photosynthesis in plants. Okay, what experiments could I use, and what
1: plants? Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. (laughs) Photosynthesis. We were talking
0: a little bit about photosynthesis last week. We
1: were talking about the chlorophyll Chlorophyll. in trees and the way that the the green, the, the chlorophyll breaks down at this time of year. And of course, chlorophyll. Acts, it creates that photosynthesis in plants. So what is photosenses? It's the, 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 the Latin name gives you some idea. So photo is light and senses is to make from memory, I think, or to, So it's to how plants
0: make food, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah, so from what I remember anyway. They take
1: light mm-hmm. and they basically turn it through their cells, through the chlorophyll, into sugars. So it's their energy source. It is, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, most plants, all they require is water, carbon dioxide, which is what we breathe out, and we we're chatting about that a bit in terms of houseplants, and they need light. They're the three essential ingredients to get any plant to grow. So if the teacher wants to use an experiment, two that I can think of at the top of my head would be bulbs would be a great example. And at this time of year, you've got the scented hyacinths. I think we have a question in on that later on, but the hyacinths would be a great example. You simply purchase the bulbs and make sure the bulbs are prepared hyacinth bulbs. And if you sit them on top of a small glass, so that the glass supports the bulb Mm -hmm. and fill that glass with water. The bulb, because it's touching the water, initiates new roots. And if you keep it in a bright location, the new bud starts to grow, the leaves start to unfold and through photosynthesis, the plant actually grows. So using only water, light and the CO2 CO2 that the kids will be all breathing out during the day, the plant will grow. So there's no food, there's no compost, there's no artificial food added whatsoever. So the plant is actually making the bulb grow by, by the photosynthesis by the light coming in. Now, if you were to put that same bulb in, in a cupboard, so, and this is And light, this is
0: your experiment, I and guess. And this is maybe the yep. way to do it. Yep.
1: So put one and stick it in the cupboard without light. So it's still got the water. It'll still be getting the CO2, but it won't have the light level and see the difference. One will just wither and, and, and fade away. The other one that's receiving the light will produce sugars, will start to grow and will indeed, indeed flower on its own. So it'll actually grow perfectly, in a, a perfect specimen in full colour at Christmas time with just water and CO2 and light, of course. Okay. So that's one experiment mm-hmm. that could be used. Another one could be simply some seeds. So if you get some a packet of seed, again, seed needs, they need... Once they germinate, they need light to produce the, the green leaves. So again, maybe sow a small tray of seed, stick it in a dark cupboard. It'll germinate, but they'll perish within two or three days because they're not receiving the light. An alternative do another tray, maybe cress or mustard, which is very simple. You can sow it on tissue paper. And
0: they come up very quickly.
1: Yeah, and you don't need any compost. And again, all the seed needs is the water, the light and the, the CO2. CO2. And it'll grow and the kids will see the difference between both. Okay, great. So, photosynthesis is that simple thing of light being transferred into sugars that the plant it feeds, feeds off. off. It's great enough. It?
0: That's a fantastic idea. We and um, good, the best of luck with that. Be interested to hear how those experiments go because and it's bu- supposed bulbs to
1: be would be great, even just regular bulbs, croaks, the snowdrops, daffodils. Great experiment, even to do in, in classrooms because they grow, they're so easy to grow put them into a few pots with a bit of compost and you know it, it's kind of nature coming into the classroom it's a nice idea
0: Okay let's talk about you touched on those hyacinths there is yeah. a question when growing scented hyacinths for Christmas do I use a special compost or will ordinary moss peat be okay?
1: Well moss peat um, you'd be better to use the, you can actually get uh, a bulb fibre and the, the basic difference is that bulb fibre has charcoal mixed in, ordinary charcoal mixed into the compost and that tends to absorb any impurities that um, so if there's any uh, impurities in the compost or in the soil, it absorbs that. But having said that, regular garden compost, ordinary potting compost is generally what's used when planting up bulbs. The main thing is that the containers make sure if the pot hasn't drainage that you're very careful about the watering. So sometimes people will use bowls or containers without holes and you have to be careful about the watering that you don't overwater the bulbs. But apart from that, any container container, a good quality compost. You can mix a bit of charcoal it, through it if you wish. And um, even charcoal we use for cooking right. or you know for barbecuing bookie, yeah. can be mixed through the compost as well. Uh, but bulbs, they're so easy to grow. They really are.
0: Now, I transplanted up to 100 strawberry plants from runners. They're in pots outside. How do I look after them for the winter? Are they frost free and do they die off after three years? Asks John.
1: Okay, wow. 100
0: strawberries.
1: 100, that's busy. So, it's actually a very good point because you can propagate uh, existing strawberries from little runners. And this is probably what John has done. And he's potted them up. The uh, strawberries actually need a cold period. out of doors during the winter. So generally in a tunnel in a greenhouse, that's perfectly fine because the frost gets in and gives them a chill. But John is doing exactly the right thing, leaving the plants out of doors for the winter. Now, a couple of things to watch. They dislike heavy wet soil or very wet compost. So if you can sit them up in gravel or somewhere where the compost can drain away freely, but leave them out of doors, let the frost, let the rain, let the hardship get to the plants and they'll actually start to wither back you'll start to feel sorry for them <laughs> around December and January. The plants will actually start to, you know, reduce back mm. into a crown. Um, but that's p- totally natural. And then in February or March, if you've got a, a space um, like a tunnel or a greenhouse, you could bring them in there to bring them into flower early or else just repot them, maybe put them into window box or containers They'll come into flower in May and you'll have fantastic strawberries next summer particularly from 100 plants so leave them out for the winter really but just keep an eye on them that the the compost doesn't get too wet and periodically check one or two of them sometimes they get a little bit of vine weevil which is a small maggot that attacks the roots in the winter particularly when they're in pots. so check them periodically over the winter period but they should be out of doors definitely
0: and do they die off after three years?
1: well three years is about their life cycle so after three years you should be propagating taking young plants and starting the whole cycle again. So strawberries are one of these plants that they tend to exhaust themselves after, after the third year. So they're better to be... Commercially, they're changed every two to three years because this, the uh, the productivity goes down. Right, You just okay. get less fruit. You tend to get more disease problems and so on. So it is a, a good idea to, to every three mm-hmm. to f- four years change them.
0: Now I have some space in my raised beds new compost added and would love to plant some veg now for use next spring so can you have any recommendations for what might be suitable? Yeah well
1: there's a couple of things again garlic can be planted at this time of year now the bulbs if you plant them now will be ready next July, August sort of period Um, but, but you can plant them and they're totally winter hardy spinach can be planted out of doors at this time of year you'll be able to use in the spring because it grows quite uh, vigorously so from April onwards or May onwards certainly you'll be able to use it Um, there's a nice cabbage variety called Pixie which is available at the moment which is a small compact variety which is perfect for pots and containers or raised beds or if you want to put them in a greenhouse or tunnel so it's quite a short compact variety Mm -hmm. it grows during the winter period and will give you nice heads of cabbage in May of of next summer Um, so spinach garlic any of the onion varieties the winter hardy onions so the japanese onion sets uh, radar is one um so that's one to look for it's the red skinned onion that can be planted this time of year and again they go grow as scallions through the winter and they produce large bulbs next summer so cabbage spinach onions garlic garlic can be all planted now yeah they'll be the key ones really you could also sow some seed They'd be, all of those would be available either as bulbs or plants but you could also grow some seed like um, lettuce all year round you know some of the hardier lettuce varieties um, and you'll be cutting those again kind of late April, May of next year from a seed sowing now
0: What about winter broccoli, is it still okay to sow winter broccoli from seed?
1: It's a bit late. You really want to... Be, you, they are available in plants at the moment. Ideally, the winter broccoli should be sown in July, early August. Um, now, the plants are available, so you can get plants that are kind of five or six inches high at the moment. If they're planted out, you'll have broccoli for the spring, early summer of next year. Yeah, okay. so so. But rather the, than seed... Yeah, seed is... is no, nation? you can still sow it, but um, it'll be early summer and really... Uh, Purple-sprouting broccoli prefers the winter period, prefers co- colder conditions to grow in. So you're better to purchase the plants. And you don't need many. I mean, six or eight plants is enough to feed any family. Family, You know, they produce a lot. <laughs>
0: Even if you do love broccoli. Even
1: if you do love it, yeah. And, and it produces over a very, very long period during the spring and early summer period. So it's not that it all crops at once. You can keep picking it for several months.
0: Now, I have a number of white paper bark birch the trunk and stems are discoloured and green how can I revive the colour for winter well
1: that's just that's just green algae growing on the. and, and birch birch is that tree that produces that lovely white bark it, it's a peeling bark mm. like eucalyptus um, now the easiest way to do it is actually to power wash it so get out your power wash and just literally power wash the stems you're
0: not going to damage the trees no already? you won't
1: and it, 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 it um, exfoliates <laughs> the tree. <laughs> okay, it actually takes a skin layer. It's like
0: a spa day for it the is, tree. It is. It yeah, is for the tree. Right. Yeah,
1: and and if anything, it's great because it actually takes that old layer of of skin mm. or bark or uh, bark off the tree, and you get that beautiful young bark inside. So the power washer is probably the best way. If you've got any trees that have really nice, like eucalyptus, Acer grisium is another tree that has beautiful. Uh, mahogany coloured bark or uh, birches any of the birch family always produce lovely bark if you put the power wash on this time of year it just you know and you can be quite quite severe with it and and peel off as much of the skin as the outer skin you're not going to
0: do any damage no
1: and it'll produce a beautiful white pure white bark then For the winter period. Okay,
0: now we've got a problem with a lawn with holes in it all over the place. Um, The listener caller thinks that it might be mink. Uh Um, Wondering any ideas or what can they do?
1: Something digging for worms or for would mink mink do damage like that? I haven't heard Heard, of mink doing damage like that. Um, But something is obviously physically damaging the the um, the 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 lawn. lawn. There's no there's no spray or treatment that I can I can recommend. that will keep them off to be honest you know there there, there is that product grazers but that's used more for um, hares and deer where they're actually munching on plants um, so I think it's just a matter of, now what you can do is re-firm the areas back down again and seed just throw a small bit of seed on and the seed will germinate in the next couple of weeks but apart from you know putting some sort of netting or something as yeah. physical barrier I don't have any solution. Yeah. A mink trap, maybe. A mink trap. <laughs> I, w- I would not have thought... Of
0: mink. Well, don't yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard of mink don't before, don't but... I don't know but, that you know, much about them. But I suppose
1: in lawns at the moment, you've got lots of um, earthworms coming to the surface, particularly with the wet, with the wet period we're having at the you moment. Would they wouldn't
0: be just moles or something? We do don't we have
1: moles in Ireland. Do not No. Okay. There you go. There you go. You Here's see, that. every day is a school day on this
0: program. Uh, I didn't. We have lots really of them in the UK. N- yeah. yeah, I yeah. didn't really
1: realise that we didn't have moulds in Ireland.
0: Mm. Um, okay, can we take a cutting from a Catoni Astor Franchetti?
1: You can. Franchetti makes a fantastic um, hedging variety of cotoneaster it's it's very strong um, you can sow it from the berries or you can sow it from cuttings at this at the time of year to do them so again pencil length pencil thickness dip it into rooting powder root them out of doors if you wish or the, you can root them in deep trays and um, they'll have rooted by spring of next year
0: excellent now we have a listener with a Christmas wedding wondering what to plant in pots
1: a Christmas wedding, yes. right? Well, so plants. We're... Generally, I advise for people that have weddings. I mean, it's better nearly to come <laughs> come two weeks or three weeks before the wedding because you know it depends on the weather we're going to ha- to get. But having said all that, the type of plants that are going to be flowering around Christmas are the outdoor cic- cyclamen. They're in flower at the moment, but they tend to flower right through Christmas into the spring of next year. And um, you could do a few of the prepared hyacinths if you wanted the fantastic scent they're, they're lovely in bowls and containers and you could actually bring them into the church and they create a fantastic scent indoors um, you've got plants like winter heathers which are there's a lovely variety called garden girls which have shades of pink and purples and whites so any of the winter heathers will flower right through Christmas and, and into the new year winter pansies, winter violas so there's lots of winter flowering heliborus, the Christmas rose which normally flowers at uh, through the winter period but look at having said all of that apart from the hyacinths they're going to be guaranteed to flower at Christmas for you or paper whites and again both are centred and you can bring them into the church mm. if you wish or into the reception or whatever but the other plants are probably better left to maybe the first week of December pop into the garden centre then and get plants that are just on the point of flowering Because it really depends how cold October, November or how mild plants would even flower earlier if we get a very, which we're having at the moment, a very mild autumn. So um, rather than trying to plan it for three months, I think come in three weeks before the event. Give
0: yourself a little time around that time. and then and you'll be
1: sure, sure too. But there'll be lots, lots of plants that flower through the Christmas period.
0: Now, David is asking, can he trim or shape a box plant now?
1: Yeah, but lightly, not too severe. Remember, the plant, it's not going to be growing a whole lot until next spring. So a light trimming back, and we said that last week mm-hmm. in hedges and plants in general, light trimming back just to tidy them up, but no severe pruning on uh, plants. So boxwood is so slow growing anyway, you'll only be removing probably an inch or two off the plant. So a light shears, trim it back, um, and that's, that leave it alone. Don't feed it or don't do anything with it. When
0: is the best time for planting fuchsia?
1: Well, you can plant fuchsia at any time of year, to be honest, because they're generally sold in, in containers. Now, they're still flowering beautifully at the moment. So you can plant them now. You can plant them in the springtime. You can plant them through the winter if you wish. So if the listener's thinking about maybe putting in a fuchsia hedge, that's often better done in November because the plants are available bare-rooted. So it's a cheap time to buy the plants and it's a good time to plant them. So if it's a hedge of fuchsia you want, leave it till November. Get the area ready now by treating it with a bit of weed killer. Um, but if it's just ordinary varieties of fuchsia, shrubs, they can be planted. There'll be lots of them in, in your local in garden your centre. centre. Yeah, and uh, Again, a good time to propagate. If you've got fuchsias in your own garden, you want to take a few cuttings from them. This is the time of year to do that.
0: Now, Mary was wondering, what is the best way to put old uh, rhubarb to bed for winter?
1: Just leave it alone.
0: Okay, simple as. But well,
1: no, what you do is, you, it's going to be dying back like any herbaceous plant. So you can tidy it back now. Take off any yellowing leaves. Tidy the whole thing back. Take off any weeds that might be there. And try and get yourself some organic matter, rotten manure. So manure, farmer manure, um, stable manure, horse manure, mushroom compost, anything that in an organic. Or if you've got garden compost yourself. Mm. And literally put a foot of it on the top of the rhubarb.
0: And it'll be happier. I just
1: leave it alone, so I 'll smother it with manure uh, over at this time of year or any time in October or November. So literally a foot of, of organic matter spread over the top of the rhubarb patch and leave it alone for the winter, the rhubarb will come back up in the springtime and shoot right through it and, and it loves that organic matter. The other tri- tip with um, rhubarb is in, in January, if you cover some of the stools with a, an old bin or an old bucket and exclude light. Here we're going back to our photosensors. Mm. The plant is fooled into to reaching for the light. So, what you, you get is this forced rhubarb. So, you cover the plant completely, you exclude all light. So, uh, a, a refuse bin, a uh, big pot, terracotta pot, mm-hmm. turn it upside down and leave the plant covered. You'll get foot long or 18 inch long stems by the end of February, early March. So the plant is fooled into thinking it's still beneath the ground and it keeps searching for the light and it produced these really strong succulent pink rhubarb with yellow leaves at the top.
0: Okay, so it hasn't... uh, No greenery?
1: No greenery. And you'd often see it for sale in shops in February, early March. It tends to be very expensive because it's been artificially forced in in blackened out greenhouses in Holland and then it's put on sale. So you're you're paying for all that process. So you can do it yourself. Um, And I saw it done lovely in... um, down in Tarine Allens in, oh, Cork, B- Ballymaloo. in Ballymaloo. They I was down there in, in last January, February, and they had real old terracotta pots over the rhubarb patch, forcing, forcing the rhubarb. It. Yeah, so you can do okay. that at home yourself. Yeah,
0: and there's also for So for
1: cover with the manure, tidy the bed up, weed it, cover with the rush manure if you can get that, and um, then in February cover the actual stools. No, not all the stools, just a couple of them. Yes, you'll have
0: early and then you'll have regular.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Now, would Porik recommend, uh, what would Porik recommend for hedging for a garden where parts of the site has deep clay, but parts are very shallow and stony. It's inland and it's not near the coast.
1: Okay. well, first of all, what I would recommend is that the listener digs a trench because the quality of the soil is going to equal the quality of your hedge. Yes. So if you plant a hedge in that scenario, you'll have 50% of it doing brilliantly <laughs> the other 50% weakened and, and sluggish and so on. So I would dig a trench two feet deep, two feet wide and try and put topsoil, get some good garden topsoil into that, fill that trench with good garden topsoil because otherwise you're going to struggle with the, um, the quality of the hedge. And inland... Uh, Laurel Etna is a lovely hedge. It's very neat. It's very compact. It's very easy to trim. Gives lovely f- foliage colour all year round. So put the effort into getting the the trench dug properly uh, and deeply. Um, again, if you can get some organic matter, put it into the bottom of the trench and put back some good quality compost. And even raise when you finally finish the the, the soil, you could leave a slight raised area so that the where you're planting the hedge, maybe even a foot higher. The lawn beside oh. it, so create a kind of a good bed of comp- of a soil for it, and then plant your hedge along it.
0: Now, again from Facebook, uh, when can I prune a Bella cherry?
1: Uh, after flowering, so any cherries are, are pruned as soon as the the um, the flowers have faded. So remember, anything with a stone, um, so cherries, apricots, anything, peaches, anything like that, you prune. In the, in the spring, early summer months. So wait for the flowers to fade and prune the plant back then. So okay. don't do any pruning at this time of year on anything in the prunus family, in the cherry family.
0: Okay, great. Now I have two boxes, plants and pots. Uh, they were repotted. They went a bit yellow, were treated with top box, yeah, improved good. well, but they're now slipping back again. Um, and they were watered as well. So wondering where might we have a problem? Well,
1: that's box blight. On top box is the treatment that we use to control Um, box blight so it's good to hear that it had it greened it up. You really just need to repeat that. When we get a wet summer or a wet autumn like we're having at the moment you tend to see a lot of yellowing in boxwood and that's a sign that they're suffering from from box blight Um, It's a bit like blight on potatoes or or, um, black spot on roses Uh, So the top box is a fungicide with a slight feed in it as well So if you put that on it'll bring the plants back to green again and it acts as a tonic, even healthy box plants are, would benefit from a treatment, at top box, because it prevents any disease on the plants. So I'd repeat that uh, and apart from that, just leave the plants alone, really, in okay. the winter period.
0: Somebody wants to kill off two shrubs, not sure what they are, but uh, wondering, what do they spray them with to kill them off? Well,
1: many shrubs, you can just simply dig them out, but if, they're, if you want to spray them, then you can use um, Weed Free 360 or SBK Brushwood Killer. SBK is quite effective on more woodier weeds like shrubs or tree stumps, nettles, briars, Japanese knotweed, those sort of uh, um, more persistent weeds. So SBK, just follow the instructions on the pack and um, that'll kill off the, the shrubs or whatever whatever the listener wants okay. to get rid of without contaminating the soil.
0: Um, can I cut back a formium now and will they grow from seed?
1: Uh, yeah, they, they, you probably, they can be propagated from sea. That's the ordinary common New Zealand flax or formium tenax, the green variety. We often see it in Akelbel mullet. It's a great seaside plant and makes a fantastic initial barrier or hedge. Um, So you can cut it back to tidy it if you wish. Um, You can divide it, simply dig it up and split it into pieces. That's the best way to propagate it because you've got yourself instant plants or you can sow the uh, the green variety from seed as well, so you can do all three, and the seed can be sown at this time of year.
0: We have a listener looking for a suggestion for a nice climbing rose to sow along a roadside, up through trees, please.
1: Well, you'd want something very vigorous if you wanted, you know, to to, to um, creep up through trees. One of the best varieties is a variety called Albertine, Albertine rose, and um, big blousy flowers that tend to be a kind of a, a shell pink in colour, slightly scented lovely bronze foliage on Albertine but it's a very vigorous rose I mean it'll grow 20 feet no problem Um, so you want a good vigorous variety Um, Swan Lake is another variety which is quite vigorous it's a white climbing rose but Albertine I think is probably one of the best particularly where you want to grow through trees or whatever the other plants you could consider would be things like um, Spring Flowering Clematis particularly Montana Rubens which also is extremely vigorous and very fast growing Um, or Russian Vine is another very vigorous climber well suited because you want nearly something that's going to compete with the with the trees as well so something quite vigorous okay so any of those but albertine is a really good variety
0: uh and finally we're gonna uh, i know we had strawberries already uh, this is probably going to be our last one for because time is against us when can i transplant strawberries from a glass house to a new raised bed outside you can do it now what okay. i would
1: simply do is cut back the foliage completely dig them up and transplant them. They can be moved quite successfully now out of doors.
0: Okay, great stuff. And very finally, I have a camellia sown outside for the last three years and it buds in the spring but no flowers. When I got it first, it had flowers. What might be the problem? Mm, It's
1: unusual. I mean, it sounds like it's a young plant um, and, and if camellias get frost if they get heavy frost in springtime it can spoil some of the buds Right. so really you, no feeding at this time of year just leave the plant alone until springtime the, the key time to feed camellias is after flowering from April right through to September because you're building them up for the following year so really just make sure the plant is, is well watered during the winter period that it's, if it's in a rain shadow um, and apart from that leave it the next spring and just see what happens maybe if the listener even wants to take a photograph of the plant and send it in to me either through our Facebook page on Hawkins um, or just send it into um send me into the
0: gardens and Garden, try yep. have a look at it. Great, or yeah. midwestradio.ie either for that matter, and we can take a look at it on the programme next week. That's it, Pork. thank you very much indeed. Uh, just a reminder that the honey is available now, the so people honey, should get their yeah. hands on it as quickly as possible.
1: Absolutely, we'll have that for, for another couple of hours, I Okay,
0: well hopefully the weather will uh, stay as you have uh, kind of indicated anyway, oh, yeah. and uh, we'll have From a Monday really on. good gardening week. We're back in action again next Saturday, just after seven. Louise has been in studio as well, so... Uh, Thanks to her and to all of you for listening, to everybody who's been on Facebook. And uh, we'll do it all again next week. For the moment, from me, Georgia Kelly, a very good morning to you.